Welcome to the Holy Spirit's Curriculum of Joy podcast. My name is Wanaka Oberhuber, and I'm your host. My guest today is Matthew Knowles. Hi. Hi, Wanaka. So wonderful to have you, and thank you for coming. So I like to start by asking you, how did you get to the place where you are now in the way you see the world? It's <laughs> a big question, then. <laughs> it's a very big question. How did I get to see the world in the way that I see it now? Definitely a process. It's a very good question. Uh, every human experiences for sure i would imagine as far as i go um i guess that question requires a bit of a summary <clears throat> obviously we don't have that much time i'm 55 <laughs> so <laughs> let's pull up the highlights then uh the highlights the um i'm a i kind of Take, take a look at things from a broad picture and um, work down to specifics as needed. Um, from a broad picture standpoint, I do recognize uh, at, a, at a young age that I had a belief in a source, a creator, uh, that seemed to always be in my background by default. Uh, the idea of <clears throat> that I wasn't alone uh, seems to me to have always been there um, in the background. Uh, I remember, I do recall going to various churches uh, that parents sent me to uh, and learning various ideas with regards to God and Jesus and, and Mary uh, from a Catholic church upbringing initially. Um, but I never heard in any of those localities anything that came close to what I was already experiencing within myself, uh, to be honest. Um, I never read the Bible or anything of that nature. So I've, from a young age, had that experience. Um, as you get older, there are life events that take place. Um, people come and they go, there's tragedy, there's death. Um, of, you know, caretakers and, you know, people in your life. <clears throat> there's arguments, there's conflicts. There's uh, seeming injustices, you know, and various things that take place, and you witness uh, as you, as I went along in the world, um, you know, divorces and you know different things, conflicts within families, um, different things, and I went about my life. Uh, within those things that were outside of my control, you know, as a young child. 
you go with the flow. Uh, you don't have much. <clears throat> when I got on my own after college and started working on my own, I um, did have quite a bit of a, at the age of 20, 21, something of that nature, I did have a lot of inclination for introspection. Um, I did go and find quiet places and hidden beaches and sand dunes um, to, to find time with nature uh, for introspection. I started to recognize coincidences in life in my teens that I equated to with some sort of divine intervention. Um, coincidences in meeting people that just seemed too bizarre to be mere, mere, mere chance. <clears throat> and I have always had a, a, a belief in, uh, without calling it, met I never heard the word metaphysical, but without calling it anything in what I now, you know, term others call metaphysical nature of of this experience. I went through, as I said, a period of introspection. I understood, I hadn't read the Bible or anything of that nature yet, but I understood, you know, the concept of baptism. <laughs> I remember one time in my early 20s finding a hidden beach in southern Florida. I was in Jacksonville, Florida, in, in northern, in southern Georgia, sorry. I drove across the border and I remember sitting there in the wilderness and just feeling like I wanted to break through the illusion of all of the foolishness I saw in the world, all of the injustices and things that just didn't seem to make sense to me, that that would be an aspect of the truth of the way this place is. And I just couldn't understand it. I needed to reconcile it. And I, I had an inner sense of necessity of surrender to something about myself, some aspect of my identity that needed surrender. There was a, a temptation to believe, especially after going through college in a lot of systems of the world and adoption of belief systems and the way things are done and the popular method of looking at the world and the popular methods of going about living in the world, it didn't resonate as something to keep doing because the way that the world was going, it seemed insane. Why do you want me to go into a system of the world? And it does, it seems to be pretty dysfunctional in the result. And I didn't, I didn't quite understand how to reconcile, um, what the world was teaching me to do and be like with the outcome that I saw, war and all, it just didn't make sense. And I remember sitting on the beach and I just, just had an inclination to dive in the ocean and cleanse myself. And so I went and had a, a personal baptism <laughs> of the heart and it had a real therapeutic <laughs> uh, uh, effect. It really did. I remember, you know, I, I undressed and I went and I came back uh, from my uh, sub being submerged, and it meant something to me to do that. It was my sort of um, commitment to to giving up on 
trying to do life on my own and that I needed to surrender to divine sort of wisdom somehow. And if it was available, please, I'm open to receive it. That that I'm not happy with my attempt to do this completely on my own. And as I was sitting there on the sand dune, being very calm, very, very peaceful, I looked over to my left and there's a, next to a shrub uh, on the sand dune is an armadillo. And he's like two or three feet from me. And he's just sitting there calm as can be as calm as I was. And I thought, wow, you know, wow, he's not afraid of me. And this seems natural. And to me, it was kind of a sign of something that my pact was heard, that my commitment, you know, for me, it was personal, um, again, <laughs> metaphysical type experience. And so I was in my early 20s. I um, had, you know, college loans to pay off. And so necessity to you know, continue, you know, in the, in the development of resumes and, you know, and got into tourism and hospitality. And I traveled the world and was a, was a salesperson for resorts in the Florida Keys and, you know, and in other places in Florida. And I attended various churches, um, uh, different types, not Roman Catholic anymore, but just who, whoever I met or came into contact with just to start to share um, just to really see in relationship if other human beings were experiencing the same thing I was. And uh, there was a lot of uh, connection and similarities in some cases. And in some cases, there were, again, just sort of divergent op opinions, many of which, uh, many of what opinions sort of I went divergent on had to do with sort of ideas of specialness that our church is special and other churches don't really, you know, have the truth and we have the truth. And while I appreciated the love and whatnot, you know, felt within the relationships, the ideas of specialness usually chased me away from being at that church. And, um, and so I tended to, Um, I tended to re re resort back to studying the Bible and the New Testament on my own. Um, I did have a brother that got me finally reading the Bible because he had had a, some sort of epiphany, and he was he was a brother that um, that uh, had a lot of issues himself in his life, struggling with. Um, life and he said matt this thing is cool this book is cool you've got to read this book and so I, I i started to read it and uh and i fell in love with it the, the just the bible uh and and the new testament and i found um that i um really enjoyed time spent with the bible and it was my introduction to jesus uh and and him as a teacher uh and a teacher of truth about life uh, and about another perspective on viewing life um, that also seemed to tap into a lot of some of the metaphysical things that I was already experiencing in life. And so when I, when I would read something there and it, it backed up, some of the things that I was experiencing 
on my own, it was a great convincer for me to believe what I was reading was true. So my belief and faith uh, and respect uh, for Jesus started to grow um, bit by bit, year after year after year. But again, very much sticking to my own self without having any great desire or need to adopt structured thought systems of groups of other people although you know still desiring authentic relationships that um that were were reflecting um the truth as i was being shown it at that time and i also recognized that um that there was a lot of growth that it was a, it was a continuum that um that knowings, if you will, not necessarily beliefs, but knowings were were. I mean, to this to this day, you know, are, are seen. You know, to this day, are a never-ending thing. It seems it's like you can know more. <laughs> you can know more about truth. You can have more revelation. Uh, at least, there doesn't seem to be an end to it. I don't know. In my experience, yet and. Um, <clears throat> So having realized that there was a personal connection that could be had with a book like the Bible, that a teacher like Jesus could talk to you just from some of the scriptures. And by talk to you and have a relationship with you, I mean that you would be having, I, I would be having a thought or a problem or a concern or a question. Uh, and and then again using that whole idea of coincidences thing that I could randomly go and get like the perfect answer uh, when I and I and I recognized that there was a there was a connection to how I was asking the question and what state I was in when I went to go seek an answer uh, of truth that there was a correlation between my sort of lack of distractedness or lack of, um, I called it authenticity, me being authentic with myself. But there was, there was, I started to realize that there was definitely a connection with my state uh, and then also my ability to, to hear uh, and, and really believe in the questions that I was asking to get answers on. Uh, that, you know, a flippant question wasn't answered because it wasn't coming from the right state. It, uh, I, I don't know if that is making sense to you, what I'm saying. Um, and, uh, and so I, I started to realize correlations like that, 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 that I had a part to play in this myself, that my ability to be still um, and quiet enough to listen and hear uh, was also important and and then later on as I continued to uh, get jobs in other places and um, I returned to the Bahamas where I live now where I was born in fact um, from Florida I returned to the Bahamas and worked still in the hotel I've always been in the hotel industry resorts and usually in uh, traveling roles until I Return to the Bahamas, where I settled into leading groups of people, hundred employees, um, 
and uh, being a leader uh, in the in the hotel field. The um, there was a time when I also read a a guy by the name of James Redfield back in, in like 1994. I'm not sure when it was, and he he put out a book that that intrigued the heck out of me. It was the Celestine Prophecy, talking about coincidences and things. And I had already been experiencing that, so he had me hooked right away because again it was backing up experiences that I was already having. And he talked a lot of other things about uh, about seeing auras and disappearing and eventually that the body was something, you know, the idea that the world was illusionary hadn't crossed my mind in any way, shape or form. That the idea of constructing that consciousness, that human consciousness had the ability to construct the physical world that we see was a new thought to me. And not long after that, I somehow got tied up into studying quantum physics and um, the whole scientific approach and look that you know Einstein started that also backed up the idea that human consciousness uh, has the ability to change uh, the perspective that an individual sees with matter, with the what was later learned as the double slit experiment and various things. And I just thought, wow, cool. That starts to make sense that, that the world reflected would be an allegory to truth. Uh, even science would somehow be a reflection or an allegory for that which, if, for, if you could see it, would be a reflection of the truth of how things were because I had prayed to, sorry my dogs uh, because I hey Tux please be quiet Tux I had uh, sorry about that and because um, I had prayed for that too and um, so I started to recognize that prayer could be answered uh, because of my relationship to Jesus at first again remember and I said I always thought that I had a, a relationship and an understanding of God always in the background. I never I never really understood when the churches used to teach, you know, Jesus dying for our sins and paying a ransom and that we don't have to do anything. I, that never resonated with me. And I, 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 never, I never sort of respected the concept of Jesus being some great um, human that no one else could be like. And yet, you know, was somehow the gateway to heaven. I, I never, that never resonated with me as truth, but, but God did resonate as truth. And then it's not until later on when, as I said, I was reading, you know, the works of Jesus, uh, and then I would have a question and then, and then it would, you know, read the works and the answer was, seemed to be directed to the, to the very question that I realized that, wait, wait a minute, that this, that Jesus, is indeed a component here uh, in this experience. And uh, I started to look at the relationship as the son of God uh, from a perspective that the, the churches weren't teaching me, but I, but I, so I still pursued and respected Jesus. The, the other influences that I had um, after Redfield, in quantum physics, um, 
were in terms of highlights uh some of the highlights that comes to mind would be illness <laughs> uh, i had an illness that uh, i started to at that time get the impression that that my own thinking and that my own thoughts um had a relationship to disease in the body in any way shape or form and um, because of the illness i had been given in my mind the desire to quiet my mind and because at that time i i had not taken the time to to pay attention to sort of inner stillness of thought and thinking at that time was a bit of a plague there seemed to be a lot of just pop-up just consistent thinking and thinking especially as i was in my career um thinking and anticipating future problems and future actions that i would do to in the future to to control future outcomes i mean it was and the more complex I had with my career and my job and the more employees, and it seemed as if that control of future possibilities so that they were financially successful and relations, relationally successful desired, required me to be a forecaster of future events. And so I spent a tremendous amount of time in thought and uh, in, in future thought. And um, when disease came, um, I recognized that that skill that I had put so much value in and which gave me a lot of reward. I rose quite high in the ranks of the corporate organization um, as a senior executive of Atlantis on, on Paradise Island. It was you know, 8,000 employees. The um, correlation with, with excessive thinking and control uh, of life and people's lives, um, I started to equate that to disease uh, manifesting in my own physical self. Again, as an allegory to truth, that if you do this, then this is is something to come back to teach you. So anyway, that it was a it precipitated a desire at that time to to go and enroll in immersive meditation courses. And I just checked myself into an ashram here, uh, the Shivananda on Paradise Island in the Bahamas. And uh, I enrolled and was taught by the Brahmin there um, in, in components of, well, of course, yoga, <laughs> being a yoga retreat, but um, specifically meditation. And I was there for a few weeks. And just after uh, a few weeks, it was tremendous the um plus you know tied with yoga is a tremendously good you know healthy discipline for the body but the tying the two together was helpful for me at that time because of what i wanted to accomplish with the you know the disease and it didn't it didn't um it wasn't a magic pill you know and an immediate sort of you know miraculous healing but i did have a moment on the yoga deck when there was one of the persons doing a guided meditation in this in this instance and i i hadn't gone it was something called yoga nidra and i went through it and when i 
you you weren't you weren't necessarily meant to go to sleep in this you know guided for this is like one hour you know laying on your back on your mat and they would have you go into uh real heightened detail focused attention on different parts of your body and different sounds you make within your body within your heart and, and you would visit you know so it's a heightened attention to the inner workings within the human body right and it's a form of uh, of focused attention and it was teaching me to go within and i understood that but when i when i had when i had finished the one hour i and they she said on that you know she called everyone you know to wake up sort of or come to out of the meditation i opened my eyes and i experienced something i had never ever experienced um in my life uh there was a sensation of complete and utter joy that I hadn't experienced before, first of all. Um, everything had an orange hue to it. Uh, everything that I could perceive around me had a sort of an orange glow to it. And there's a, just an overwhelming sense of peace. I mean, it was completely complete, overwhelming sense of peace and not any identity with the human body or where I was or that I needed to understand, comprehend, or control anything in my environment. Uh, it was just sort of like happiness. And I came up and I was just smiling and I looked at the, there's, you know, 20 other students on the platform. And I looked up at the, the meditator and I was just brimming. I know, I was just smiling. I'm like, wow. And I thought she did it to me, right? I thought it was her, right? I said, what did you do to me, right? And I started to, you know, just, that's fantastic. You know, I was just elated. I was extremely elated that uh, I could have an inner experience like this. And I looked around. I suddenly realized, you know, and there was others there. And, and, and they were not smiling like me. And I thought, why? <laughs> So I started to analyze it. Like, why aren't they smiling too? They went through the same guided meditation. Why is it? You know, isn't this a? I thought we just took a pill, and this was like a strategy and a technique that everyone, you know, it's just isn't. Did everyone take the same pill that I just took? I mean, you know, kind of thing. And and the 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 teacher was good. She says, because um, you know, I started to talk and share what I was experiencing with the others, and they were like, you know, mouths open, listening to me. And and then I recognized, I said, I said, somehow I said, after a few minutes, I said, and it's leaving me. <laughs> it's fading, right? All of this. And the, and the teacher was good. She reckoned, she says, that's because you're analyzing it. <laughs> you're getting back into your mind. And I'm like, oh, cool, cool. And so I, I so there was, there was some, uh, there were some, you know, events that are highlights. And so I started to believe in, at that moment, the sort of ability to experience um, different perceptions and perspectives um, by going within, like there was a withinness, right? And um, and in in a, in a way that I hadn't had yet in my life. And so, this you know, I was hooked on on meditation. So I came back to my house and you know for the next five years i meditated you know religiously <laughs> right at 5 a.m before anybody woke up in the dark with a candle and all of that and i did get into um various states but 
the to sum that up i realized that it was like exercise for me i don't know about other people but for me it was like exercising a muscle you know when you use a muscle in your arm you don't have to keep you know what i mean you got it right and so for me going into a quiet state of mind um i didn't need to sit cross-legged in the dark with a candle and you know piece of fruit and a glass of water or anything that it was that it was really just all in the mind it has nothing to do with the human body uh or it doesn't have to uh, although you could i guess i could i use the human body as a teaching tool to get me to the point to realize that it's not the body but the body was used at first just to to realize it and so i realized that that you can you can just sort of like not think if you wanted to at any time and or think if you want to at any time and that thinking wasn't necessarily in have the mastery over you that we that we that i had you know have the mastery over thinking and that became a knowingness to me beyond just a belief because it was an experience so that that was a pivotal moment uh, and and it took you know it took time uh other highlights would be at that time during that whole period of meditation thing i i somehow started listening to hay house uh and there was repeated talk of this book that these folks that were you know fellow meditators if you will were seemed to have a lot of respect for and you know called a course in miracles and so i said well i guess i got to get this book all right why not right and so i ordered the book and i um instantly instantly recognized it as a sentence a succinct perfect sentence one after the other of pure truth that no nothing was wasted no period no dot no i it was it, to me it was it was perfect prose it was you know better than shakespeare and and i followed it and i'm like you know i said thank you right thank you i asked for it and here it is and i had asked and prayed for truth to understand truth above all things above career above you know money above relationships with you know everything i said nothing is more important to me than truth i'd made that pact you know way back when i was in the florida keys uh, at one of my uh, jobs and i remember where i was when i made that pact <laughs> but um and so this book came and as i started with the text and then the lessons and you know i did it all you know I, I i'm sorry i don't know what all is but i did then the supplements and the teachers made it read it all once or whatever but I, it did definitely occur to me that it was the only the beginning and so i decided to spend time with the book and i i ended up reading it over a period of again the five-year period and because of my my already i already had an experience of the supernatural nature of the new testament to have 
a dialogue, so to speak, with the New Testament when I was in an authentic state that I could, you know, have a relationship with Jesus through that. And so the same relationship started very quickly to develop with the Course of Miracles. In other words, he would give a very succinct lesson about some aspect of truth. And it wasn't long when I was in a receptive mode that I would experience it in the physical world, you know, in, in relationships, right, with, other, with others, with life. And I'm like, wow, wow, wow. So I just, you know, just nothing else seemed as important to me than this rich source of truth. And so I, I, I um, committed to, to not just um, reading the book for head fodder, but try to read it for experience, for the experience of it, for as best and it wasn't perfect. I, I, I realized that, you know, in, in the subsequent years after reading that, that that knowingness rather than belief is one of those seemingly open-ended things that, um, you know, I've gone back to the course of, of miracle lessons and lessons that I've read many times before and thought I completely understood just to see it in a whole different revelation of truth. And, and it pop, you know, again, even more and take me into another uh, acceptance of, of the way things are in truth. And um, so it is one of those living books um, that seems to be a part of the life that I am. And that's a cool thing. There are other books that were similar that came along afterwards um, because now I've already got uh, an ear for, you know, the channeled message of Jesus. And I, can, I, I have a, a, a taste or a flavor of the resonation when it resonates with me of whether or not I'm listening to something from truth. I think, I mean, which works for me, and that's all that matters. <laughs> and uh, and so the course of uh, love was good. Um, the way of mastery was good. Um, Lori LaValle's book um, that her father uh, wrote, How to Become a Christ, was good. And, um, and quite a few others. Uh, and then, you know, there's so much on YouTube nowadays. Um, there are a few, there's, there's, uh, quite a few people I respect a lot, uh, that when I listen to them, there's that resonation that I recognize. And I've learned a long time ago how easy it is to let my guard down when I'm in the present, you know, well, just to let my guard down eventually completely, but that, that's another thing to learn for me was another thing to learn. And um, and it just grows and it goes on from there, uh, Wanako. Uh, so that's an attempt to give you a bird's eye view. So, although there was a little specifics in there every now and then. <laughs> Do you want me to 
go back and fill in some of the voids or <laughs> I don't know if you're finding this interesting or not. So let's go into some of the specifics. Particularly, how do you get to the state of calming your mind that you were speaking of this stillness? Uh, it's um, how do you flex a muscle in your arm? You know, so you know how to do it already. Um, but if I could explain, that's why I said it's like a muscle, right? Um, it's just like that. If I said, Monica, flex your, your bicep, right? You would know how to do it, right? You can't really explain to me how you do it, but you can do it, right? And it's, it's kind of, to me, it's kind of like that. And so stillness then becomes just sort of a, a cerebral decision to do so. And it's very much like deciding to, you know, do something. So you can do it consciously. You know, you can be conscious. I really enjoy mornings when I wake up uh, before I get up out of bed, for example. Um, when I'm in that state of every and every day is a is you know a gift. This beautiful thing we do sleep at night. Every morning there's, there's this period before consciousness consciousness fully takes over and there's there's this time period right in between the sleep state or the or you know the sleeping state and the complete waking state in the morning that i have um like exercising a muscle learned to dive into and extend the time with you know um so you really you know hoping that you don't have to go to the bathroom right away <laughs> and I, I sit you know i can sit there and um explore answers very very openly and easily before the distractions of the day like how to you know taking care of the animals or family or what to do or work or you know household stuff or whatever right before i get distracted with things there's this beautiful moment that i've learned to um extend the time of and so in that moment every day is this opportunity to ask questions like well first of all to check in and to feel what it feels like to remind myself every day what stillness feels like to recognize it every fresh every day oh this is what stillness feels like but yet i'm still conscious but i'm not i'm not unconscious you know, I am quiet, and but my mind is there, my my self is there, and my awareness is there, and I'm not getting at this point thoughts that come uninvited into my head, you know, or memories, or regrets, or th at this stage, it's uh, very consciously directed by me, and it's my time to 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 have a smile these are some of the things that i do i have a smile it comes to me a smile about the day before like just sort of like oh like if, if there was a, if i ever left the previous day with a question mark why did they say that or why did i do that or why why why, why? 
and it, and I and if I ever leave a day off with a question mark, one of the cool things about this moment in time in the morning of the very next day is that if there if there was ever something non-peaceful about something or some sort of lack of acceptance about something the previous day, it, almost like a revelation, the answer comes to me early in the morning, and I go, oh yeah. <laughs> of course. And it's always some component of looking at it from complete love and acceptance that, you know, and forgiveness, right? So if there was ever any non-forgiveness from the previous day, that first thing in the morning comes the answer of how how it's perceived with the mind of forgiveness. And that's a cool thing. Uh, and then also kind of, you know, you know, what do you want me to do today? <laughs> you know, what should I do today? What, you know, what, what sort of things, you know, is going to be a part of this day? If there was anything that needed to, needed to be planned in a way that took any sort of preparation, right? Because some things in this life do, does, do take preparation, right? You have to do some things. For, and so there's, a, there's an opportunity to take a look at what would bring the greatest amount of um, ease and acceptance and and uh, and things and and so there there becomes this knowingness where oh that's my now that's my now priority that's what that's what you want me to get up and do with the body or with my mouth or you know what I mean with my words or you know and so that's a that's a really really cool moment in time uh, with regards to being still uh, and a very practical example of how that can be useful to anyone if they haven't experienced it. Because you are going to put this on your YouTube channel, right? <laughs> yeah. So does that answer your question about stillness or do you want me to keep going? Um, I'd, I'd like to go into another thing you were speaking of, your corporate life and how your spiritual journey or these changes in you informed you in your being the manager of so many people how did you how did you go about that well when when i was i'm no longer a manager of so many people uh, i did leave that life to open up um my own business with my family at the time and uh and there was a sense that the corporate life as I had set it up was a distraction to what I truly wanted in this world. That the level of involvement that I had habitually trained myself into, again, I was talking about the control of the future and all of those things. There was an underlying knowingness that that was distracting me and was a source of unhappiness for me. For me, I'm not saying, you know, Others can't be happy doing that. But for me, it was a source of unhappiness. And so because I had allowed it to be a distraction, right? I had perceived it as the need to control the future. And, um, and so I did desire to get away from it and do something more simple. And so I did <laughs> open up my own restaurant, which I don't know if that was more simple, but there was less people involved. <laughs> and uh, and so I did that for a number of years. Um, and, uh, and that then came down to 
relationships with fewer people and dear people and special relationships in my life. And so then came a whole period of time and genre with regards to special relationships, you know, wives or a wife. And um, and that was a significant, very significant, and, and children and having a child, right? And, and having special relationships with your wife and your child, right? I mean, this becomes, um, another component of truth and sometimes it was for me a very hard lesson uh, because i did go i ended up going through a divorce after 15 years and um and it wasn't easy man let me tell you that was some hard hard introspection um very very hard uh and I've experienced the death of loved ones, my my uh, parents, um, and with a tremendous amount of peace. But divorce was not something that I could handle with peace. And I was really thrust into looking at special relationships. And, um, and there was a number of years of, of you know, sorting through what that is and um and you know so then what is a holy relationship and um i got through it because it's, you know i wasn't alone and um and uh and that's a huge that's a huge chapter wanako uh that that could take an hour of discussion um want to invite me back but the whole idea of <laughs> special relationships and how to you know uh experience you know what is a holy relationship and does that mean a holy relationship with one person and not by default every last thing in existence and i've come to realize that it's the latter that there's no such thing as a holy relationship with one person and not another that if you understand and can resonate what a holy relationship is in truth. If you have a knowingness about that, that you've, you, that I have um, been given the awareness of that component of truth in this you know, 3D world full of the idea of specialness, um, that it, it is synonymous with everyone. And it really then delves into oneness of everything. And that indeed, guess what? I am source. And so are you, from my perspective. And, um, and so, yes, it did, it did take quite a bit of personal suffering in the experiences of specialness to, to have something dawn on my mind, and it's still dawning with regards to source <laughs> and that's another good thing we could talk about so i anticipate your next question <laughs> what would you like to talk about now so i'm gonna open the the field to uh, to questions so anyone can ask a question or comment at this point 
And by the way, you can do that at any point. You can raise your hand and let me know you want to comment or ask a question. So if there are any comments or questions, please let us know. <laughs> Lori. Lori, you have a question? You're on mute. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was and you didn't hear a word I said. Um, thank you, Matt, for all your sharing. The, the, these are things you shared some things that I didn't know about you. I've, I've known you for a while now. But there thank God. <laughs> there was brand new information there. So. Thank God. I hope you're not keeping track of everything you know about me. <laughs> I'm writing it all down. Note by note by note. That's it. No, not at all. Um, what I really appreciated is how that connection you had to Jesus, you know, at a young age and then when you were just a, a young man and then the Course of Miracles and, of course, continuing on since then. Um, what would you say would be um, the biggest thing that you and he have done together? Have done together? Yeah, like an experience you've had together. Oh, oh man. Um, what I know about you, Lori, informs my answer to that question. I know that you um, have expressed a relationship with Jesus very, very, um, on a very personal way that... Um, from your description sounds you know different from my um from my um experience of the relationship and um so to single out a moment when jesus told me something or anything of that nature it's difficult because it's uh there's so many <laughs> uh, thousands and thousands um and i, I I don't want to sound like a broken record, but one doesn't seem more special than another. It's sort of, that makes sense. But um, wow, um, the the oh, all right. One that you would appreciate. I'm sort of getting that something you would appreciate specifically, Laurie. Okay. Um, but overall, the main thing probably has been A Course in Miracles, okay, as in terms of a work of his or a channeled um, condensation of truth in one location, it would have to be The Course of Miracles, okay? But uh, I have, there's a lot of other stuff collectively, if I put it all together, Probably I have spent more relationship with other channel works, like when you collect them all together, than the Course of Miracles. And they're probably too numerous to mention. It wouldn't be sensible to mention it. But anyway, there's one experience that you would appreciate. So there was a particular uh, guided meditation teacher. Um, see, her name was, I think, Lori Lavalley. You can find her on How to Become a Christ. And... Uh, 
she uh, she was leading a guided meditation once and and because again I, I i can go into meditation quite easily on my own when i went into the guided meditation with lori i went quite deep um because i i completely let go of any attachments to my belief you know in the physical world and i can i can dive deep in the awareness uh, you know, continues on in deep, deep, deep meditations. And anyway, I found myself at one point uh, in a in a vision that taught me something uh, that I had never experienced before. Uh, it was probably most similar to that platform experience that I talked about with the feeling of radiant joy um, from the ashram. But anyway, so I went into this meditation once where I found myself sitting on the seashore somewhere, I don't know where, and uh, I was looking out at the horizon at a sunset or a sunrise, I couldn't tell which, and and in front of me were some fishing nets, some old tattered fishing nets, but old ones like you would make a long time ago, not like plastic, you know, synthetic nets, but like made out of twine or something. and. And I was just sitting there uh, in this vision, and um, I felt the presence of someone there with me. I never saw the someone. Um, I felt the presence, the nearness uh, of someone, and that presence and nearness felt like, um, and I told you about this when I came to, felt like pure love uh just pure love and that it was from the presence of someone which i guess needed to happen because i hadn't experienced it on my own without the introduction of someone or another you know i'm not trying to speak of separation but there was a sense that this other was jesus and uh but from a time, you know, a long ago when perhaps maybe I had been in his presence before type of awareness. I don't, I don't, I mean, that's just a guess, right? Or that's what it felt like. I don't, I'm not saying that I was, I'm just saying that's what it felt like. And um, that informed me about a feeling of unconditional love that is possible. So it was... A, a revelation about Jesus uh, at the same time as a a um, an introduction and a gift that I didn't earn. There was no effort in it uh, of what complete and under un, unconditional love of everything without finding anything to judge in it, without specifying any aspect of it and separating anything in any way feels like in a knowingness and i'm like cool thank you for that <laughs> and so it became a knowing right uh, another you know sort, sort of knowing that when i came out of the the again when i came out of the meditation you know it was the residual of it was still there and I could sort of pull it up, but not really. And, 
you know, as time went on, it became, you know, a little more difficult to pull up that exact feeling again as I delved into the world more fully. But yeah, thank you for reminding me of that, Lori. That was cool. Thank you, Matt. That's a beautiful experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any other comments or questions? Okay, then we will continue. Oh, there is. Okay. Frankie? You're, whoever, you have to take yourself off of mute, everybody, if you're going to ask a question. Frankie, go ahead and unmute and you can ask or comment or whatever. Thank you. Okay. Um, how, what is your awareness when you connect with Jesus or with uh, God or universal intelligence or whatever? How does that? How is that for you now? What did you ask? The, I think the question was breaking up a little, Frank. Did you say, what is my awareness? You said? Yes. What is your awareness when you connect with this now? How, how is it for you? What is my awareness like when I connect with truth now? With, um, Um, there, there's, um, you know, description of the idea of the holy instant in, in the Course in Miracles, uh, that may give some foundation to my answer. Um, the, the holy instant, you know, as it's described in the book, um, in my experience, I may not use the same words that the book used, but um, there is a, there's a stillness of my own state um, that has been a theme pretty much in my whole discussion here today, uh, that, that theme of stillness. Now, the, the stillness is something that um, I have no idea how other people experience, <laughs> but I know how I experience it. And um, definitely the connection period um, when I perceive that I am connected or in alignment of the words that we use, but there's a, there's a, a feeling of a knowingness that I'm receptive. Um, that I'm not putting up any sort of barriers uh, to to God, um, uh, and it requires me I mean, we use a lot of words, man. We use words like release, let go, surrender, um, be humble, 
Um, you know, I've heard so many words used, but I've also heard everybody give a different definition for those words that mean something to them. Um, your words, honey, just your words. Yeah, no, so I would use those words. I would use, I would say, um, I would say, uh, um, to be still. What is it to be still? Um, I believe I just that feeling. Sorry? I said I just caught that feeling you were conveying. Thank you. Oh, you're looking to get the feeling. Okay, very cool. Got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Good. Yeah, words don't really do it. Uh, so no, I'm glad I. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you oh. for sharing. <laughs> I forgot that was one of your gifts, Frankie. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, Frankie's a a great. Um, uh, I don't I don't know what you are, Frankie. I'm just. I mean, you are. Um, I know you're you sensitive to the heart and feelings <clears throat> not so much words and this is an interview so we just did an interview on a whole nother level there once so we're, we're interviews are usually about words we just did one with feeling <laughs> as the communication device <laughs> i wonder if the world that listens to youtube is going to do that if it's going to still be communicated. <laughs> so, any more comments or questions? Yeah, definitely, you know, there's stillness is not when I'm worried about something, right, or thinking about something. Right, or distracted by something. Uh, although I can be doing things in the world, but I can still be still as my body is active, right? I can still be still in, I'm being still in this conversation, right? And um, and so I, I'm still very functional in the world. So stillness has nothing to do with the body, right? It's, it's to do with the mind. Okay, I think I'm, I'm muted. Can you hear me? Hi, Michael. Yes. Yeah, we oh, hear you yeah. and the music that you're playing. Yeah, I know. Let me, uh, let me ask my wife to stop that. Just a minute. Hey, Karen, could you turn the music off and be quiet for a minute? I'm, I'm talking to somebody here. Okay, I'll be, I'll be done in a second. Thanks. Okay. It's about to happen. All right. Okay. Um, I have friends that, uh, well, obviously, I have friends that um, uh, have read the course and then they uh, heard about A Course in Love and they um, read that and they liked it a lot better than A Course in Miracles. Uh, so uh, you could say they found a difference between the two. Um, and for me, the difference is really like a chasm. Um, because 
And Jesus is always telling us in the Course in Miracles that there is no world. And, um, well, you know, that's kind of a real bottom line. If there's no world and all there is is mind, uh, he really is doing that because he wants us to come home. Um, he wants us to get out of this whole space-time, body-mind thing. And then you read books like A Course in Love where um, they, you know, it's almost like um, the most religious, all the religions that I've found where, um, as, as A Course puts it, bringing, they're bringing truth um, to uh, duality instead of bringing duality to truth. They're making the world real, and that was always the when I, whenever I try whenever I would read one of these other books. You also mentioned um, a course in mastery. That was what they did, and it always seemed like the stumbling block for me for people reading the course was exactly that: the idea that there's no world. They just I mean, so that became yeah. the the, uh, the litmus test, you know. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, since you're part of a, um, a group that's well represented here today, anybody could 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 jump in, I suppose. Um, how is it that you uh, you have found the ability to reconcile the two ideas that there is a world and that there isn't a world? Thanks, Michael. I, um, funny enough, <laughs> I had uh, talked about that earlier this morning with somebody um, on another Zoom call uh, in another form, but I think it's the same thing that you're saying. Um, the What I've been taught by, not taught, but what I've been shown um, is that if if i go about calling the world unreal or highlighting my errors or saying i did something wrong <laughs> or that's a mistake or that's furthering the illusion or you know any anything that um, as you said, you know, it has to do with duality and being human. Um, that if I am saying that that is wrong because a course says that it's stopping me from waking up, <clears throat> what I've come to, to understand, and when I, and now when I read A Course in Miracles too, it's there. It's like, remember I said, things change. Um, you can read something and understand it one way when you go back and read it, you know, a year or two later, it's like, oh, <laughs> there it is. And so the, what I, all right, let me get to my point. The, the judgment that one makes that they're doing something wrong uh, keeps that wrongness alive. I think, as you said, that it, it's calling it real. And, 
it's not that the way that I reconcile that very same seeming seemingly dilemma is that it's it's not a dilemma at all. It's that they both are accepted um, with acceptance. Um, now, a course of love talks a little bit more about acceptance than a course of miracles. It uses that word more, but it's in the course of miracles too. And uh, and so, in other words, if I um, do things um, in this world uh, to, 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 to not to take it very lightly. If if I have a sex drive, for example, or if I have a food drive or a safety drive, meaning keeping a roof over my head, or lock my doors, or as as you said, uh, you know the the drive for miracles uh, in one of your talks, want to know um, that these are all things that are a part of even the drive for illusion or sorry the drive for the opposite of illusion miracle uh which is just you know a, a drive or a desire to straighten the the mind mind's perception um th that that the the only the the only way that i understand the vision that's talked about to be experienced is to have complete non-judgment of anything that comes into experience that it's neither right nor wrong desirable or undesirable whether that's illusion or non-illusion that it's all embraced um, with the same lightheartedness uh, and love and so i don't fight against or resist against or call out you know blockages and misty clouds of illusion that stop me from seeing truth as enemies of state that need to be dispersed and disbanded because it it keeps them around that very same thing and so to live in duality and to recognize the eternal nature of myself at the same time uh, seems to my understanding to be what what's going on here that um one is not more when one ceases to be desired over the other then the birth of nothingness is the birth of peace um when one ceases to be desired or just desire itself goes away, right? When you don't even need to desire miracles anymore, right? Then, so if you engage in the sex drive, don't judge yourself. If you en engage in the food drive or the safety of the body drive against, you know, hurricanes or earthquakes or World War III or a pandemic, if you engage in any desire, so what just at the same time that you are doing the 3d 4d thing at the same time bring that stillness to the 
to the table. Bring the holy instant, bring that relationship that Frankie asked to describe to every one of those instances where I'm doing the 3D experience. And it doesn't, it doesn't stop the illusion from being dreamt. When did we decide that a dream was a bad thing? Why is dreaming a bad thing? It's just a dream, okay, so it's not real, but why does that have to be bad things, right? It's not truth and eternity. Okay, good, wonderful. Uh, okay, <laughs> good, you win your point. It's, it's not real, so why do I, you know, but you're supposed to wake up, you're supposed to wanna wake up. Well, I can, I think I can have a happy dream and wake up here, and 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 have a a reconcile reconciliation with this experience and my the knowingness of the tr of a, of a another nature of self right you could call it the true nature of self but it's if I say true. It, it can't carry a feeling of better than when I say the word true as opposed to false. That in my in my heart, I can't I can't label it or judge it to be better than. And when when I, when I experience that, then things are just what is. It becomes the what isness, and I you know I am I am I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. I mean that's how I reconcile it, Michael, personally. Go ahead, Lori. Uh, thank you. I just do this is one of the things I've always appreciated about you is that you're very clear on everybody's equality. Nobody's better, nobody's worse, nobody's good, nobody's bad, everybody's just equal. And I think you brought that up in in your last answer there too something you were uh, really helpful in teaching me so thank you okay thanks can I, do, I, do you hear me now yes michael oh good yeah i'd like to respond so um if you listen to some of my talks you realize you may remember that um i came into self-realization before there was even a course of miracles um at least available to the public. Um, and I was a I was a, a Christian, Catholic, not Roman, priest, serving communion and all that, right? So truly, um, everything that happens in the dream is is just a dream. But the realization of the self is eternal. It's real. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I'm well aware of that. Um, but when I um, eventually came to uh, study the course, I realized that it was taking me far beyond anything that I'd ever understood or, and, and worked on before. And the more that I worked on it, the more that I realized, and it is a self-study course, uh, you know, so I'm not, I realized that in the dream, uh, it's all a dream. 
and uh, is not to be taken seriously. So the chorus is part of the dream. Uh, all these other books that, that I mentioned, they're all part of the dream. Mm -hmm. um, they're, but they're here for a reason, they're here for a purpose. Um, and so from my own personal practice, um, I am getting the way, you might say, uh, is getting narrower and narrower for me. And there's, and so there's only, I can only take in A Course in Miracles for my own personal practice, um, which means that that's what I'm teaching because that's what I'm learning. Um, I'm not, um, so I understand that, you know, teach only love for those that you are. Um, also, um, be vigilant only for God and his kingdom. And that's, that's pretty much that last uh, step, the third step in the, the Holy Spirit's curriculum is where I'm at right now. Um, and I don't reconcile uh, anything for myself that doesn't agree with what, how I understand the course. Um, and it makes the way narrower and it makes me less popular in the dream. Um, and that's okay because it's just a dream. Um, <laughs> as far as uh, what, what we do in the dream, I totally agree. Um, there's, uh, it's not hard to forgive things that happen in the dream, right? Because they're just a dream. Mm -hmm. um, things happen to us all in dreams. Um, and so we understand the idea about comparing what we think is reality, this, this, um, this uh, event that's called uh, the world, the universe, etc. Mm -hmm. um, we understand um, from the course that it's all part of the dream. Um, and I think it's really awesome to pers person, my personal experience, to um, to leave the world of dreams. Um, I'm really out there, you know, on a limb. And there's only one way off of this limb at this point is God taking the final step, and that's how I want it to be. Um, and I don't have a stake in the world. It's, it doesn't mean anything to me. So that's where I'm at. Um, and and uh, I'm not judging anything in the dream. I'm not judging anybody. I, that is foolishness. That's making, as you say, that's making the dream real. And yet, in this course that I'm studying, um, I'm being instructed, I'm being led to leave it, to leave the dream. So that's, that's, how, that's how the cards are being dealt to me.
now. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody because I don't even exist. That would be another ridiculous statement about the dream. It's nice. It's nice to have said that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that was cool. I, I totally get everything you said, man. Yeah. Yeah, and I've really, I've just been really loving all the description of your experience, and I, I, I resonate with all of that. And all of those experiences that you talk about, they're like, they're not of this world. Those are the times when we, we just went beyond into eternity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, eternity is what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even miracles, you know, it's a course in miracles. Even miracles are just part of the dream. Yeah. And yeah. Jesus says that. The real, the, where it really happens is in the mind. The, you have to heal the mind. Forget about miracles. Yeah. You know, as we, common, as we commonly understand what miracles are, forget it. It right. doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's cool. Um, and, you know, and, and yeah relationships that we have with others um yeah i was unpopular today it's funny you said that michael i i was on a zoom group and they sent me a letter afterwards and said you know thanks for sharing but don't come back <laughs> um and i i knew i was uh, i had a feeling i was going to get a letter like that uh that was that was a new experience for me and then for you to suggest that just now i'm not surprised um yeah i mean the 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 desire to completely wake up from the dream uh is not going to be popular um to many that uh or to reflections of myself or whatever it is that um still sort of enjoy the different tastes and flavors of of the different energy experiences here and um and enjoy the different you know the differences of of, of flavors of separation um there's some enjoyment uh to to it and maybe it's a reflection of myself i mean i don't know when i experience others that are holding on to those experiences of um, separation for for the experience of separation itself you know or the dream or whatever um and just don't want to wake up uh perhaps um, or they don't value it more than the experience of this they may report that they want to wake up but it may not necessarily truly be valued by them because they still want more of the experience of separation why i if that's me you know um 
it is what it is. It's again, not to judge it, right? If I, if it's me and these people are only a reflection of me as an allegory of the truth that I am as source, if I am source, then they are a reflection of me being the source of them in my experience, that is. And so if I am the source, then they reflect to me my um, mind and where my mind is at. And, and so the experience of separation is happening, not to judge it. It's just when, when does waking up become more valuable? And when it does, I guess we'll pop out of the dream like you're, like you're suggesting. I'm, a, I'm an astrologer too. And uh, that's all about the dream. It's all about the ego. Um, but it's taught me so much. It's taught me to look back on my life. I'm 77 now. I have a lot to look back on. And I've been able to, to see and understand a lot more now. It's just like a framework for looking at the personality. There are so many ways to do that. And that's one that uh, appeals to me. Um, so that's participating in the dream. And of course, as long as we have bodies here, we're meant to participate in the dream. Um, so I'm just saying, and and, and uh, another thing I really love about the course is it, it talks about how every one of us is completely unique personality. Um, and the Holy Spirit needs that, needs our uniqueness. Um, and our uniqueness draws to us uh, people that have similar qualities that, that resonate with us. And so uh, they're the people that we're meant to teach and learn with. Um, and I think it's really important to emphasize that it's teach and learn because um, we're not, no one's better, no one's greater, no one's any actually at all really different from anybody. It's only these dream characteristics that distinguish us as separate from anybody else. But nevertheless, because that's how everybody's sort of uh, focused on, on the dream as being real, um, that's how we pick our friends. You know, that's how we find the people that we can learn and study with. So um, it, it, it's sort of, I mean, and, and there's, we certainly ought to enjoy it. I mean, just now, uh, as we talk to each other, uh, I'm sure you're having the same experience I am, where this is really stimulating. This is really the kind of where the rubber meets the road, man. And so um, it's not that we, we should like try and, and, and we shouldn't judge ourselves that way either. We shouldn't like try and, you know, um, and I don't think that desire is a bad thing either, because that's how that's how we uh, that's how this whole thing is is uh, that's that's really the energy that makes the whole thing happen. And obviously, it's not you know like the dream is not bad because why? Who's dreaming this? Well, there's one source called the ego. Um, it's just something we made up. And then there's the Holy Spirit. And so we have a split mind. And, you know, it would be stupid to judge this situation in the sense of 
uh, it's wrong and we shouldn't be doing it. We are doing it and we don't really have a choice. So we could come in and our, and our role could be to put it down all the time, but that's not gonna work. That's not gonna, not gonna make friends with anybody, right? Um, so we do have to be here and live this thing. And with everything we've got. And, and if something like, I love to sing, I'm gonna keep on singing. And it's a wonderful way to express the joy that I feel. Um, and, and it doesn't mean I have to sing holy songs. Shit, I love Elvis Presley. You know, I, I love getting down into the nitty gritty of this dream. Um, if, it, if it stirs the soul, that's what I'm here for, you know? Yeah. So we, we really do have to be ourselves in, the, we have to be ourselves in the dream and enjoy being in the dream. That's for sure. If we don't enjoy it, well, what are we teaching? <laughs> yeah. So obviously, yeah, it's really a trip, isn't it? So you have yeah. to walk uh, in two worlds. There's this a, is what there's Jesus a... did, right? Jesus yeah. did that. Our teacher did right. that, right? right. And he, but look what he ended up doing. He ended up um, resurrecting. God, the focus that he had to do that. You know, he had to totally focus on heaven. And so he says in the course that the body became nothing and disappeared. Yeah. There's, there's another component that I've been um, made aware of. I know we're running close on time. <laughs> the, um, there's another component. You're talking about cool components of this experience of life. Um, there's another cool component I'm being uh, shown the truth of more and more most recently is that of the oneness of mind, that, that the, the unity of us all here is a cool thing. In other words, I, I, the the mind that Jesus or anyone had, right? That that you have, that I have, is is a shareable component of this experience. And um, maybe we don't have enough time, but that that's another cool thing to talk about: is the oneness of the one mind, right? And um, the individuated experience, then connecting with one mind. Uh, you know, and then you can ultimately, I guess, call it, you know, the mind of source. But um, anyway, we don't, maybe we don't have enough time, but it's a really, it's a really cool, another aspect of the, the real awesomeness um, of this, of, 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 of truth. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah, let's, let's wrap up for the recording. If you want to continue speaking afterwards, that's possible. Let's wrap up the recording. So, is there a question that I haven't asked you, Matthew, that you'd like to address? If so, please address it. <laughs> no, I, I, I have no agenda, man. <laughs> okay, then yeah. would you please let us know how one can reach you if one wants to reach you and reach out to you and sure. connect with what you have to share? Sure. Um, my phone number on WhatsApp or Telegram is 242-376-4440, uh, 242-376-4440. I'm on WhatsApp or, Instagram, or Telegram, that's the easiest. And, um, and then 
my email is mknowles44 at gmail.com. Okay, yeah. give it to me, um, write it out for, for the show notes as well. Okay. Yeah, wonderful. So thank you so much for joining us here. And I think it's so, so valuable to have this diversity of speakers with so many beautiful ways of conveying love to the world and sharing and and not only to the world, but also to reminding us of who we are so that we can also choose to be happy <laughs> in many more ways than we maybe are aware of that it's possible, right? Yeah, and thank you too for your efforts eh, in putting this together and your desire to, um, to, to experience love and share it. Yes, that's the most important. <laughs> so yeah, thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you for all your comments and questions and feel free to comment or ask questions afterwards so that one of us can answer <laughs> if we have an answer. And otherwise it's just another conversation where we all learn from it. And please review the podcast and let people know about it and subscribe so that more people can benefit from all these beautiful conversations and sharings. So thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. Michael, Lori, 